You know why I'm so passionate about music to code by? Because it works. I'm still getting a steady stream of success stories from developers just like you who sail effortlessly through hours of coding. There's only one problem. They can't get enough. Well, not only are we up to track 13, but you can download them all in one shot for a new low price. The collection was 54 bucks just a little while ago, still only a little more than 4 bucks a track, but now you can get all 13 for only 39 bucks. That's only 3 bucks a track. Yeah, that's more like it. 325 minutes of pure bliss. Go get it now at collection.musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1365, with guest James Montemagno. Recorded Friday, October 7th, 2016. And welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, James Montemagno is here from Xamarin, from Microsoft Xamarin. And, uh, man, we're going to have a good show because I always like hearing about what's going on in the Xamarin world. Well, you think about, we last talked to him in June. Yeah. Now it's October. I guess it's coming out in November. Things have changed. A few things have changed. There's been some change. There's been some change. Hey, um, I have something apropos for Better No Framework today. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? So this is show 1365. So if you go to 1365.pwop.me, that takes you to today's, uh, well, today's website. This is an article from Android Pit, and it's the best Android apps of 2016. Hmm. 28 apps you must try. Oh, God, I hate these, t- these I know. headlines. Eh? I know, I know, I know. But it turns out that out of the 28, I learned that there were two new ones that I really kind of like. Oh, that's interesting. So who knows? You might also find a couple that you like too. And cool. I'm not going to list them all because that's why we have websites. Go for it. <laughs> we we have interwebs. Yeah, we have interwebs. There's a reason for interwebs. But, you know, Android's still the most popular platform for yeah. mobile phones. Aren't you an iPhone guy? I am. There you go. Yep, I am. I have a, an iPhone 6 Plus. My daughter has a, a newer iPhone than me. And, you know, <laughs> that's not right. The older I get, the more I angry I get that I'm not having the newest phone. <laughs> 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 I need a new phone. <laughs> you darn kids and your new phones. Yeah, that's right. So uh, who's talking to us, Richard? Uh, well, it's easy when James is on, you know, twice a year or so. So grab a comment off of show 1303, the one we did with James back in June, talking oddly enough about Xamarin Forms, which I suspect may come up again today. Possibly. Quite possibly. And Wayne Hiller had this awesome comment, which I super appreciate. Of course, he starts with awesome. He says, awesome show again, guys, as usual. My afternoon breaks after pouring through huge amounts of code would be quite boring without you. I was really looking forward to this show. I know people have kind of whispered, quote, not for production use whenever the subject of Xamarin Forms comes up. 
The thing is that people that say that are the same people that are the gods of mobile development. Hmm. And they know every nook and cranny of iOS and Android. Yeah. For them, it is far faster and easier to just build an app, bare metal, making, you know, organizing the electrons with those little chromium tip tweezers, you know, that yeah, yeah, yeah. bare metal. Yeah. <laughs> making the code do exactly what they want. So what do us mere mortals do, though? Those of us that have never really needed to build a mobile app before and have never spent our vacation studying mobile SDKs. Yep. <laughs> you hit it, Wayne. You hit it right on the head, my friend. I think I have an answer, though. And yep. That that, that uh, sentiment came from uh, Lino Tadros. Yep. And uh, that was at a time before the latest update to Xamarin came out, and it was before... They were bought by Microsoft. Yes. And since then, a lot has changed. Notably, but also supporting Wayne's argument, Lino's team comes from native development. You're so they, absolutely right. They are nook and cranny guys. Yep. They do it. They did it all native. That's right. Yeah. But w the biggest complaint that they had was that in order to do anything specific to the platform, you had to write a custom renderer. Right. Which seemed like more work. Uh, especially for somebody who wants to just use a form solution, they don't want to have to do that kind of work. So right. now, and James will uh, corroborate me here, now uh, you can drop in native controls to a Xamarin Forms app and make these sort of hybrid Xamarin Forms native apps. And this is, this is where Wayne goes. Really, they're right? not really hybrid. They're Xamarin Forms UI, but with pieces of native code. And Wayne sort of goes there. He says, I am sure there are many developers like me in small shops where the boss comes along and says, hey, let's build a mobile app for this part of our system. And then can I have it by the end of next week? Oh, and I want a demo to the trade show. And now, why does I it cost so much? <laughs> <laughs> now, I am a good C-sharp and web developer, and I've been doing that for many years, but mobile OSs and SDKs are completely foreign to me. For business apps, I need something like WinForms for mobile. Mm. And I think that's exactly what Xamarin Forms is or will become. Yeah. It does not have to do everything, just enough to get the job done as quickly and painless as possible. And you know what I like about this is if you if you don't come from a native background, if you haven't built a wide diversity of mobile apps with all, all the control in the world before, the can that you're going to be sitting in in Xamarin Forms may not be that constraining. Yeah, right. Especially when you're talking about a data over Forms app that's internal, that which I think is exactly the audience we're talking about and is kind of the area of opportunity in mobile development right now. Yeah, certainly. Uh, at, Wayne finishes up with, as stated in the show, Xamarin Forms is quite new. It's going to get better and better, even more now that Microsoft owns it. And I still have a headache from my head hitting the floor, passed <laughs> out when I heard the news. Ah. Uh, I think there was one thing when they bought them. It's another thing when they made the darn product free. That's a double head hit. Yeah. I think they're doing a wonderful job, and I believe Xamarin Forms has a bright future, and thanks for all the hard work you're doing. Dude, this is not hard work. We goof off for a living. <laughs> I this think they us. were talking about Xamarin, not yeah, us. I think you're right. <laughs> Those guys, they're working hard. They're working. We're not working. We're a couple of idiots with microphones. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Wayne, you know, uh, one of the reasons I read your comment is that it's right up the conversation we're having right now, and I think you are the new mobile developer, you and you know you are, you've hit it on the head, love to send you a .NET Rocks mug. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media, because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We press them like butterflies in dictionaries. That's weird, man. I know. 
Thank you. <laughs> All right. Now let me introduce uh, James Montemagno back to the show. He's been on many times. James is a principal program manager on the Xamarin team at Microsoft. He's been a .NET developer since 05, working in a wide range of industries, including game development, printer software, and web services. Prior to becoming a principal program manager, James was a professional mobile developer and has now been crafting apps since 2011 with Xamarin. In his spare time, he is most likely cycling around Seattle or guzzling gallons of coffee at a local coffee shop. Can your gut even hold gallons of coffee? I don't know. Well, briefly. You're a pretty thin guy. (laughs) He can be found on Twitter at James Montemagno, blogs code regularly on his personal blog at motscode.com. Dot es. I got to spell that. M-O-T-Z-C-O-D dot E-S. Mott's codes. And on the weekly development podcast, Merge Conflict at mergeconflict.fm, which is an awesome podcast. You should check it out. And a great name. Yes. Welcome, James. Oh, my goodness. It's so good to be back. And, and to be honest, I don't even think I need to talk about Xamarin at all because, Richard, you just like completely just, you know, nailed the nailed on the head. Just like you sold the product itself. I love it. I'm like, why aren't you, why aren't you in my job? That was Honestly. Wayne. Wayne did that. Wayne all did I did that. was raid Wayne's email and agree with him. It's very true. It's very true. And it's so good. So I have a story before we start. I was uh, introduced to a local business entrepreneur. Uh, at an event by another businessman locally here. And, you know, I don't know if I say this every once in a while, but in the town where I live, I'm the guy who plays in the band. I'm not, development is completely foreign to most people. There's no software going on here to speak of. It's, it's really like a, an in, a military complex, industrial, post-industrial town, right? So this guy s- says, to his friend, uh, Carl does everything and he, he does uh, development and he's got a company that develops apps. And the guy's ears perked up. He said, Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm thinking of uh, doing an app. And, you know, and here's the typical thing, right? Here's the pitch. I got this great idea and, uh, you know, maybe you'd like to go in on it with me. And right off the bat, I, my line is ideas are cheap, money talks. That's <laughs> essentially what I say That's now. Right. I don't want to waste any more time. That, you know, I don't want to go in on your idea with you and, you know, get a piece of the pie. The, the ideas are cheap and development is, is what, uh, what it's all about. Oh, how much does that cost? And of course, without telling me word one, he's, he wants to know how much it costs. And so I say, well, if you're not going to give me any information, the best I can give you is an average that, you know, most uh, apps that you build are between 40 and $100,000, depending on how complex you want to get. And that's typical of a, of a project. And so he says, what costs so much? You know, so now I'm having this level of conversation with right. a customer. But, but it just reminds me that this is where business people are with mobile development. They, A, think that they can just get some kid to, well, I'm hardly a kid, but not me, some kid to, you know, develop it in their garage and, you know, pay them a little bit because they've had the idea they get all the money or whatever. And two, they have no idea what's involved in in developing an application. And once I said, well, you know, it really starts with you. You have to make a really detailed document describing what you want it to do. And, you know, that, if you want our help with that, there's an hourly rate for that before we even get to how much the whole project's going to cost. And his eyes sort of glazed over and he walked away. So... 
therein lies the problem. Most business people don't know what's involved and when you ask them to do their part. And Richard, you know this because somebody comes to you with a business idea and you say, write a business plan. Right. And you never hear from them again. No. No, because an idea should just be, I spit out a sentence, you pay me money. Yes. (laughs) This is what people think. Yeah. I don't know. It just came to me, make me rich. Yeah. It's like, let me give you bad news. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, development's not easy, any development at all, right? It's, it takes teams of people and it's not just a mobile, it's, it's, that's the thing is it's not just a mobile app, right? It's, it's, what about the accompanying website? What about the backend services? What right. about the cloud integration? What about the testing? What about, you know, the plethora of devices we're going to need to test on? What about the 15 other people who've already implemented your idea are way ahead of you and are failing? That's right. Because you have done exactly. no research. That's right. You have to find out if it's done, been done already. And if it hasn't, Actually, that's a good thing. If it's been done and been done poorly, that's probably not a good idea. That's no, probably not a good it, idea. It could be a cautionary tale to others, at least. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. It's, ideas are cheap. Work yeah. is expensive. And it takes a lot more than just what tool set you use. In fact, I would argue that, you know, writing the code is probably the easiest and most fun part of software development. What about promotion? <laughs> How are you going to promote it? How are you going to get people to download it? Just because it's in the store doesn't mean that it's going to work. You know, people are going to use it. Yeah, anyway, promotion, that's... email campaigns, Twitter, social. It's like all the other stuff that you don't think about right up front. It's crazy when you start launching these applications. And yeah. what happens then when you actually are successful? Let's say you do get 5 million downloads. Did you pick a good back end that scales? Like, oh, you know, there's all that too. Which yeah, is crazy. yeah. So anyway, that's my rant. Uh, but it. it's a good place to start because, um, obviously if you've got good tools, when you get to the point of developing, you want to take, uh, you, you want to get it out as soon as you possibly can. So having something that's powerful is important, but also productive. So there. So there. Take it, James. <laughs> sure. Well, it's all yours. So- so if no one knows what Xamarin is and what the platform does, uh, we know we enable every C-sharp, F-sharp, .NET developer out there to create beautiful native iOS, Android, Mac, and Windows applications all in Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio on a Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you know, we've, I've been on a, quite a few times. I think that's really interesting to hear that comment from a previous show. And I go to a lot of conferences, great conferences like Dev Intersection, for instance. And, um, and I talk to these developers and there's there's tons of developers looking to make beautiful, great applications for the app store and publish them. These are your Ubers, your Snapchats, all these things, these big production applications that are out there in the consumer space. And with Xamarin, you can totally do that, right? You can yeah. craft great native storyboards, Android XML files, share a bunch of code with portable class libraries or .NET standard libraries or shared projects. Mm-hmm. But then you have these companies that are transforming how they work and they're developing hundreds of internal applications. And that's where something like Xamarin Forms comes in to absolutely bring it to the next level to say, listen, it's still important to learn iOS and Android to some level, but I need to get applications out. I'm building applications that are maybe short-lived or yeah. they don't need to be the most beautiful, elegant thing in the world but I still want native experiences. And and when we talk about creating this cross-platform UI, Xamarin Forms doesn't lose that nativeness because there's still native controls. So it's not a web browser or anything like that. It's still right. the native controls, but it's all in XAML. Yeah. So that's what's important. Yes, absolutely. So I've done uh, development in, in Xamarin Forms. I haven't done, personally, Xamarin native, although there are guys in, in uh, AppVNext that do all day long. 
but um, took another look at Xamarin Forms after this update and was very surprised to learn all about all these great new features. So maybe that's what we can talk about. And not just Xamarin Forms, but the whole Xamarin platform. What What's new for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'll jump in right on Xamarin Forms because I think that's a big hot topic that everyone wants to hear about all the newness that's going on. Yeah. And I think that what the team has done. So the biggest thing is when when we uh, got acquired by Microsoft, we talked about this before, is not only is everything, you know, free and included on the platform inside of Visual Studio or MSDN, including Xamarin Studio, is that we also open sourced everything, including Xamarin Forms. So yes. that means that you um, can go out, see as we're working, make contribution, make changes and follow along with the development. We've also seen developers fork their own, put their own forks, change this co- code dramatically and make Xamarin Forms their own so they control the source code. It's um, under MIT. You can do whatever you want with it. Wow, yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. If you don't like how it works, change it. And, and that's totally fine. And all the nougatization is already done for you because it's literally in the source code. Is that um, a word? That's not a word. But nougatization. <laughs> the platform we made huge enhancements. <laughs> Nougatization? Is that a word? <laughs> yeah, nougatization, yeah. You know, nougatizing Nougatized. things. Nougatize that puppy, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta nougat it up and 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 put those you know put those bits out in the world. <laughs> Co- copyright, patent pended, trademarked. Yeah, James Wanton Magna, twenty sixteen. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think what people wanted from us first was stability and performance. So for a long time, we spent just adding the team, not me. Well, me, I have some I have some pull requests in there, but the team um, spent a lot of time around list view optimization. We had a compiled XAML. We had a whole bunch of other things. But more recently, we actually targeted what um, what you guys were just talking about, which is how can I easily spice up my user interface and how can I easily add more native controls that aren't in this UI abstraction? Uh, and there's tons of great companies out there like Syncfusion and Telerik and DevExpress that are making components for Xamarin and Xamarin Forms. Mm. But sometimes you're just like, listen, Google came out with this cool control, like a floating action button. I want to slap it in there. Right. So we, we've done one thing, uh, which is pretty revolutionary. The first thing that we did is we said, Listen, we can enable you to, to if you're writing your code in C sharp or if you want to access it from the code behind in shared projects, you can say, add this native control. So add a new Android floating action button in your C sharp. And that was a good first step. But no one really wants to access stuff in C sharp code behind. Like we're XAML people, right? This is what we do. So right now in preview inside the GitHub repo version 2.3.3. It's in preview. We have a blog post on it. We've added uh, native view XAML embedding hmm. with with two way data binding to the native control properties. It's pretty mind blowing. All right, and unpack that for us. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll it back. So normally, when you're developing Xamarin Forms, you're like, I'm gonna have a button, uh, which is a Xamarin Forms button, and I have a text and I have a command, which is makes sense. Uh, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would lay down a native UI button or a native Android widget or UWP button. However, now we can take advantage of XML namespaces. So you have XML NS. And right now you have like a forms one and you have your own custom ones if you're creating custom renderers. Sure. We said, what if you didn't have to create a custom render? What if you could say XML NS 
iOS. And the namespace was UIKit, which is how iOS applications are built. Whoa. So now, yeah, that is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mind blowing. And, 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 and what you can do is you can say, I, then you can say in your XAML iOS UI label or UI text view. And then you have access to all the properties that you have on that actual UI kit, UI label. So not the abstraction, the actual thing. Wow. Then we said, what if you could data bind things to it, to the things in your code behind? What if you could do relative actual bindings so you could modify uh, the actual native things? You don't have to worry about the two-way data binding system. It just propagates down in both directions and boom, it's done. This is amazing. This is I'm amazing. I'm the code sample from the blog post and just like, Obviously, that's what you do, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, what's crazy? Readable XML. I don't even believe in this. I think it's, it's sort of mythical, but mm. it's totally makes sense, right? You've declared a relationship to the iOS UI kit namespace, and then you're simply referencing the controls from the iOS toolkit. Now, this is mm-hmm. in the shared portable class library, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All and, in shared code. And so do you, is there a, a way to sort of encapsulate a, Android version and an iOS version and a Windows version all in the same, you know, in the same control, essentially. How does that work? Yeah, that's kind of the difference, right? So when you're creating a custom render and a custom control, normally you're saying like, listen, I need this radio button thing that doesn't exist. I'm going to go implement it a bunch of times. Right. But what you could do in this instance is if you literally lay down three controls, one for iOS, one for Android, one for UWP, when your app gets loaded on a different platform, it'll just throw away the Android one if you're on iOS. Yeah. And so what I'm asking is, yes, you would have all three of those things. Is there sort of a nested container that contains all of them so you don't necessarily have to put them next to each other or? Well, you are. I mean, I'm looking at the sample. They're right beside each other. It's it's all about the target platform statement in the... I gotcha. In, yeah, in that that um, namespace declaration. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. I got it. So it's a little bit more work. And I think that what the real win here is that you may not need to lay down all three. Like, you're not going to, you know, lay down a bunch of labels because we already have a label abstraction. Got it. But what you could do specifically is I need this floating action button. And you know what? I don't have to do any hard work. I'm just adding another attribute. And then on Android, I could hide the other button that's there or something like that. Got or, it. yeah, totally, totally great. Or you might have a whole XAML. Pit. This is another thing that developers have done and I've done. And I think a good example reference application is the Xamarin Evolve conference app that I built. Built it in about four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had it at Evolve. It's open source. Um, and it does a whole lot. It's really complex. But I have... I have a whole different navigation paradigm for iOS. Like on boot up of the application, I say, hey, if you're on iOS, put it in tabs and a tab controller. Else use a master detail nav- flyout navigation on iOS or on Android and UWP. So in your in your XAML, you can say, hey, you know what? On iOS, go to this iOS specific page where I really want this to be super native-y. And it's totally it's totally cool. I've Did done that for a lot of time. Native-y? Native-y. And nougatized? <laughs> Nougatized and native-y. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, patent, patented, trademark. That is uh, native. Magna 2016. Okay. Okay. I'll just check it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and you know, and this is pretty revolutionary. I mean, I think that there's tons of optimizations that we've already done to really make Xamarin Forms applications great. We added UWP support. We added all this stuff to really enhance it. But imagine now you're 
you want to be like, oh, you know what? Microsoft just announced all these great new UWP features and I want to spice up something with the pen control on UWP and I want to right. spice up something with some some Xbox thing or who knows, right? Or some HoloLens thing. You can do it right in your XAML. Like, and that's how, that's the, that's what developers want. Like, that's what we want, right? Just let me just code everything in the XAML. But you I know, think the you know what would be interesting? Because, I mean, one of the challenges you get into with the XAML now is that in the namespace declaration, you say, hey, this is target platform iOS, this is target platform Android, and so forth. But then when you actually get down into the page contents, you are talking about repeatedly stating the same controls depending on the target platform. Like now what I want in studio is a filter that says, show me just the iOS renderers. Mm-hmm, so you yeah. can actually see what the iOS version looks like. I mean, I like that it's one common code base and that they'll naturally ignore each other depending on the compilation. But I'm just trying to read this code. Once this, you know... Exactly the scenario you just painted there, James. Something cool comes along in UWP, and the UWP people really, really want it. So now you want to go in and add it for just that and not affect the the Android and iOS stuff. Easy to do. Namespace declaration so it is targeted to win, and then you, you lay it in knowing the other ones are not going to be affected at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it it's going to eventually, you know, XAML struggles with ugly in the best of days. Mm-hmm. And this could, this, you know, this is disturbingly ASP-like once it gets large. Yeah. You know know what I would think of doing, though, Mm -hmm. is that you don't have to put these directly into, you know, Carl talked about grouping them together. Yeah. You can just make your own custom control in XAML, right? Right. And then use that custom control. So your custom control then groups them together. It's a native. That's what Carl wants. Yeah, because then there's one thing that can be a native control for all platforms that you can just move around right exactly so if i want to create my own color picker well the color picker will will be its own control that's inside of my project and inside of that one little xaml class which i can really control and then embed anywhere so i embed that one control and then it has the three controls inside of it right um that's kind of by the route i see correct me if i'm wrong but we're still building custom renderers we're just building them in xaml now yeah exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, with with no additional work though, that's the thing because the controls are already built. You know, yeah, there's right. no, you don't have to worry about lifecycle. You don't have to worry about mm-hmm. adding data binding. It's it's all just there for you automatically. It's overstating the case to say building a custom render, right? Yeah. But it is when you go to render this control in iOS, I want you to do it this way. But you and you're doing it declaratively in XAML. And what we yeah. used to have to do in Xamarin Native anyway is go into the code of each particular platform and figure out how to do yes. it in code. And you all know how writing UI in code, how much fun that is. Woo. Objective C <laughs> is my friend. <laughs> exactly. So, so those days, those days are gone. You can just do this. Uh, it's in pre-release right now. I don't know when it's going to release. Maybe the show, by the time when the show comes out, it'll, it'll be up and, and off to the races, but I don't know. It's, it's super, it's super cool. I think that this is the direction that we're, we're going, that we yeah. want to, we want to cover the base. We're listening. If you're doing data over forms, Xamarin forms crushing it, right? Just going to be great for your applications. If you need to easily add a control, for the case where you have those native e developers that like I have to have this native thing and this native thing, even though Xamarin Forms apps are native, well, you can just throw throw a control in there, just throw a control in there, and then here and there, and then it's it's just it's a way to be, jump below the forms level into the native related control. You're just referencing the control. You're not creating it yourself. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think that, I think it's an important distinction. Hey, yeah. Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to optimize our new get to desized mobile project with Xamilification to make it more native y. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, it's like it's like Jesse Jackson just infected you right there. <laughs> hey, it's actually time to give away a Sync Fusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you what Richard and I like about Sync Fusion. They have over 650 components for web, desktop, and mobile applications, including great native controls for Xamarin. Right, James? Absolutely. I use them myself. Big fan. Yep. They even have enterprise solutions with a dashboard designer and big data platform. Best of all, they're affordable. It's one flat fee for everything, everyone in the company. No hassle, no gimmicks, and you really get every application with no restrictions. Check them out at SyncFusion.com or look them up on Facebook to see how you can get started today. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Brad Schick. Yeah, congratulations, Brad. Yeah. I'll clap for you, sir. Yes, the Sync Fusion Essential Studio is his just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what we just did here, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we're giving away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win. And of course, James, it's your turn. You got five grand in your pocket. We're going shopping. What are you getting? All right. So my answer over time has changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I've officially, it's officially happened. I have officially stopped hating on VR. And what I would love to do with a $5,000 package to do technologies, I would love to have my own interactive VR like area and space, right? I'm talking Vive. I'm talking Oculus. I'm talking HoloLens. I'm talking just like a big, nice, beautiful open space that I can do anything in. Of course, I need a computer. That's another $5,000 to manage all that stuff. But to have that area in that room inside of my apartment where it's like specialized and made for VR that that I'm not going to like slam something into my television. I just want all of those gizmos and gadgets all together all connected into this beautiful VR environment. Maybe, that maybe would be you like need my next an big all thing. white rotunda with no windows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. There It'll you be go. like a Kanye West video. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I want, I want all, I want all those things, right? Cause I think that it's a different experience right now. And as a developer, it excites me to see, Oh, what can I do with a, uh, you know, Google VR? What can I do with Oculus? What can I do with HoloLens and having those all together? That's going to be about $5,000 with the HoLens being yeah, 3000 yeah, sure. itself. So. No, sure. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. want to mix them and I, you know, you don't want to mix them together, right? Like they're different things. Like I HoloLens doesn't need a computer. Yeah. It's just stuck all over your head. I mean, the HoloLens is a standalone machine, which is why it's so flippant expensive. Uh, and you can see through it. So, you know, suddenly your regular spaces are fine. If you're going to really go down, and it's not VR, it's AR, right? Like, if you really want to go down the VR path, I'm leaning towards the Vive these days more than the Oculus, especially if you're going to put a dedicated space in it, in there, because it's good. It, it uses external measuring devices to figure out where your head is. So it's a, it's a very, very precise on that. But if you really want to go the full VR experience, you need an Omnitread. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You need the the little platform you stand on so that you can run in, and you're actually running in place. You can turn, but, but you can turn around and stuff. You're not going to hurt anybody. Um, and they're not even that expensive now. So, you know, 2,500 on a, on a computer that can run it well, of which half of that is the flipping video card. Yeah. Uh, 600 bucks for a, for a Vive. Uh, it's 700 bucks for the, for the Omni package plus a couple of ex- accessories. We really could build you a smoking experience 
Like I like that. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have to have a big room. No, yeah. you just put it in your office. You right put it in your office. It's just, it needs a corner, right? Like it is a stand-up device. But now you are actually having that effect of walking around and looking around without risk of banging anything or falling off. Yeah, it's very Ready Player One. I love yeah, it. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So I want yeah, it. You know, I need these, to have it. The the original Omnitrib was very expensive, but this latest model now is down to like a grand. So yeah. you could, you know, it's it's feasible. To actually, you actually have special shoes you have to wear too. So, the ritual of going into this thing, right? Put on the special shoes, put on the harness, get into the frame, pick up your Vive controllers, put down your goggles, and you're in there. Mm hmm. I love it. Maybe that's what uh, our winner this year will, will get. A, yeah. Uh, we could Omnitred. do that in five grand, a full up VR rig. Yep. Yeah. That said, I'm loving the HoloLens. My kids yeah. are still loving it, playing uh, Robo Wars in the house. And <laughs> they're really funny. Uh, I should actually take a video of my daughter playing Robo Wars. She's just, she looks like, you know, whoa. She's, whoa. You know, just sort of crouching down, <laughs> looking around, you know. Dodging swatting, the fireballs. Swatting at imaginary flies. <laughs> for, I mean, for better or worse, nobody looks bright wearing <laughs> any of these devices. <laughs> true. Right? Like, it's not a, nothing good. Yeah, true. But it's it's compelling. It's super compelling. So, James, um, the experience of installing uh, what you need to get started with Xamarin has really changed, hasn't it? I mean, back when you guys were your own company, before Microsoft bought you, there were several things that you needed to install. Um, and now the idea is that Visual Studio 2015 just installs them, like all of the... Android SDK, the Google, whatever you need from Google, like uh, the the iOS bridge, all of that stuff just gets installed, right? Yeah, exactly. So we made some really big strides in as far as the actual installation goes. We used to have this universal installer that would install these bits and those bits, and you have to have another installer just for Visual Studio, and it, it didn't feel uh, integrated. It felt like I needed to string all these pieces together, and it's very doable. It just follow this little installer readme thing um but essentially with with 2015 i think whenever i install it you know the first thing i do is is i never take the default installation i always just like to see what all i'm installing right i think all the all developers do that it's like oh what am i doing what's happening here yeah um and and xamarin's just a checkbox i think it's even checked by default now um and when you go in there that's going to install several things like all of the android sdks all the google stuff all the extensions individual studio you need it will also install the Visual Studio emulators for Android, which are powered by Hyper-V. So you have great emulators right out of the box. Uh, it'll install some slower Google emulators, too, uh, if, if you need that, um, because you don't have Hyper-V for some reason. But if you're on a Mac, are, for example, if I, mm -hmm. like I have a boot camp partition that I run from the Mac OS and run it full screen. So that's how I can do the Mac compilation. And that mm -hmm. doesn't uh, allow for Hyper-V, I don't think, does it? Um, I've gotten Hyper-V to work inside of, of VMware or parallels with the, the nested hyper virtualization, but it's a very scary world. Oh, okay. That's when new. You do that. That's new to it, me. It's newer. It, it uses, I mean, that's a, it's a beefy process, right? It's like yeah. using 18 levels of virtualization, but, um, I but usually my, say to go to a device. Yeah. Yeah. So my experience has been that, yes, it does install everything for you and there's a lot less headache, but 
The first thing you ought to do when you, oh, and also if you're doing this on a Mac with a bootcamp partition, make sure you have the latest OS from uh, Mac, the latest Mac OS. I believe Sierra is the current one. Make sure all your updates are there. Make sure you have the latest Xamarin on the Mac side, and you can do that by opening Xamarin Studio, right, and just uh, checking for updates, and it'll install the latest Mono and all of that, right? Yeah, exactly. So we we just had a huge, huge update, which was our cycle eight, as we called it, which was a major update to all of our products across the board. Because, as you know, iOS 10 just came out, Android N came out, but also at the same time, tbOS uh, 10 came out, watchOS 3, um, watchOS 3 came out. Um, so there's these huge updates across the board, but also macOS Sierra came out. So this was a huge release and it was a little bit it wasn't your standard update. So I think your standard update is usually Xamarin has a little pop-up inside of Visual Studio. You update it, and then um, you always want to keep your Mac up to date too. Yep. And if you try to build your iOS project on Visual Studio with a newer version, it actually gives you a build error and it says, hey, you need to go update Xamarin on your Mac. It it tells you very explicitly that you need to go do that. Uh, and you always want to keep those in sync. And the reason for that is because of just the versions of Xcode, the version of iOS, because there's different things that are involved. So now, this, does, big release, this is a good question. Does Xamarin mm-hmm. on the PC side, if you're doing in Visual Studio iOS development and you have your Mac, do you actually have to install Xcode? Yeah, so so that's the biggest part. That's the one thing that we... Um, well, we, we'll do that for you. If you don't have it installed, we'll try to, I believe, on the automatically uh we usually say just go to the app store ahead of time on your mac and install xcode and you have to install xcode because that's where the google um simulators live Uh, or the ios sorry the ios simulators live the the ios sdks and that's how you can manage all your provisioning profiles and all that fun stuff and i'm putting those in air quotes um there so yeah you that's the one thing that you have to worry about and and the biggest thing is that, like, listen if you're getting started today and you download xamarin you download the stable release that's out there it's going to work with anything that is out there today. So when Xcode's updates and you download it, boom, it's Xcode 8's now and, and Mac OS Sierra. But for developers that maybe already had Xamarin, you, you got to think to yourself like, okay, this is the biggest, this isn't a standard update. I wrote a whole blog post on Mott's Codes about mm. this of, this is a big puppy. This is a big, this yeah. is a big one that's coming out because right. it's not only Xamarin tools, it's also all of the Google tools all of the iOS tools that also need to be up to date. And some of those are out of our control because you may have gone and have auto updates on and then in your sleep, Apple's updated Mac OS Sierra and Ouch. they've updated Xcode, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Another thing that I found is you really need to go and when you create your new project, you might get some errors that won't, they won't look like version errors. They'll it'll manifest itself like initialized component can't, what is that? It doesn't understand what the code is because there's something broken somewhere. But if you actually go into manage NuGet packages and look for updates, you might find a newer version of Xamarin Forms than Visual Studio had installed. And you also, there's a, in the configuration manager, I believe, or in the options, yeah, it's in tools options, Xamarin, there's a, an option that you can look for beta bits as well. And mm-hmm. do you recommend doing that or no? Is there any time when I have to use the the latest beta bits in order to work with the latest version on the Mac side? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, with this big release of Cycle A that's now in stable, it's been in beta and alpha channel for a long time, including the support, the preview support for iOS 10 and Android N. 
So, so for most developers, um, it's, it's, it's usually okay not to, to go down to the, the, the beta or alpha channel. The only time that you may want to do that is if for some reason there's some bug that happened and there's a, there's a, a fix in that release, you might want to go down for that build. Yeah. Um, or maybe you're just, you're, you're, uh, you just like to explore new features and you want to see what's new and help us test, which, which we love obviously and help us make this product even better. Yeah. Um, so in this instance, yeah. So like our stable channel for a long time was just you're targeting iOS nine against Xcode um, seven dot three dot one or whatever Xcode version you had yeah. um, on there. And then it's like, hey, if you want to go down to the alpha channel, this is your exploratory alpha preview stage where you know you're going to have the Xcode eight betas and you're going to be running Android and beta stuff because they're not out yet. Like literally, they're in preview themselves. So this is kind of this alpha branch that's out there Mm -hmm. so that's the only time that you may want to go down to those and and i even tell developers like listen you know i don't i haven't updated my mac to oss uh, os sierra yet i'm i'm gonna give it a little bit i haven't i just updated my phone to ios 10 Mm. you know these these new updates that come out you know let me go read stuff first let me go read the release blog what does xamarin recommend what are developers saying as they're upgrading things because every cycle, every configuration of these machines are complex. You know, yes. I wish that we lived in a world where the only thing I had installed on my PC was uh, was Visual Studio and Xamarin. But you know, I have um, I have Dropbox, yeah, I have OneDrive, yeah. I have and, Google and, Drive, I have Chrome, I have Edge, I have Firefox, I have yeah. Skype, I have Skype for Business. I have like all these. I have like eighteen thousand versions of .NET installed. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's uh, these all these redistributable. So things get really complex for all these different configurations. It may not be obvious, but you do yeah. ha- you do get in a solution of uh, Xamarin Forms. You do get anywhere from three to five projects, which can go all the way down to Windows Phone eight one and Windows Universal mm-hmm. and Android and iOS, and then you have your shared or portable class project. And if you're going to update the, get the latest update of Xamarin Forms, you have to do it to all of those projects. I mean, it might not be yeah, obvious, yeah. but you really can't have your uh, portable class library project using one version of Xamarin Forms and your Android, ver- you know, using another one. Yeah, it's super important. So anyone new to NuGet at all, I have a lot of new developers coming in that may have been used to Cocoa Pods or a few other things, or they're only used to creating one project. You're like, listen, I have one project and I install the NuGets there. So I run into this problem all the time with plugins where it's like, okay, I'm going to install this this media plugin to take a photo and I'm only going to install it into the portable class library. Yeah. Well, the code doesn't live in the portable class library. It lives in the iOS and Android projects. We just have this shim wrapper on top of it, just like Xamarin Forms, right? It's an abstraction and has some functionality in the PCL, but all the functionality is really in that iOS and Android NuGet. And if those versions get out of date or you don't install them in, Mm -hmm. and then it's just kind of like this conflict. And that's with any of the different NuGets that are out there is you want to install it in all your projects and always make sure they're up to date. I've totally ran into that problem. And you're like, man, why is this thing crashing? Why is this thing crashing? And it's not obvious because, you know, it's um, it, it's you, you haven't maybe broke a contract or anything like that. Yeah, it's just there's a version mismatch at runtime and, and it doesn't know what to do. It's exactly. just the run, the runtimes don't know what to do. And, the, so, and as I said, that manifests itself in strange ways. Like, you know, it doesn't oh, yeah. understand what initialized component means, you know, mm-hmm. which seems yeah. pretty reliable. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it's always tricky, but I think that um, if you kind of follow those best practices, we have really good guys. Like when we did this major update for cycle eight, 
We're like, hey, here's everything you need to install. You even need to install a, a new version of JDK. This is the first time you need to install a new version of JDK. So, and that really only affects developers that have been using the platform for a while. So they may have already gone through this. Right. But new developers, we take care of it for you automatically. Yeah. And if something goes really wrong, since it's part of the installer, go into Visual Studio, uninstall Xamarin, you know, and then install it again. And then right. it's going to install it again. We, we've seen that work often yep. too. The, um, another thing that I can simple. recommend people do, and you do as well, is get familiar with the configuration manager. Mm-hmm. Because that really tells you what, you know, how things get compiled in a multi uh, project solution like this. You've got, you know, you can select not just x86 and x64, but you've got whether they get built and deployed. You've got whether the iPhone simulator is being used or not. And, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And I find the defaults don't always work. You sort of have to check that every single time. Make sure, for example, if you're doing universal Windows platform, that both build and deploy are checked off. Yeah, it's super important for Android and Windows projects. You need to do that. iOS, it'll tackle itself. But I've been in the situation before. I'm like, I was just doing some some plugins the other day. And I was like, man, why won't this Why won't this build? It won't build. Or sometimes I'm deploying, but then it's not actually building my portable class library because I added it later. And I forgot to like go check it for a certain configuration. You're like, man, it's it's like it's like I didn't even write this code. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's because you didn't because it's a, a compiling against an older DLL that you didn't write that code in. It's not configurated so. correctly. <laughs> it's not configured correctly. That's correct. You got to get out of control with the words. <laughs> yeah. And this is also, yeah, this is also a cool release for us because we've started, um, we've always been trying to bring Xamarin Studio and the Visual Studio extensions in feature parity. So we did a really, a lot of cool things. We added a brand new iOS and Android device log which will help you read and diagnose as your app's running on a simulator device. We have this brand new Android archive manager and publishing flow where you can publish directly to Google Play uh, right from Visual Studio. Mm. It'll handle, it's very similar to the archive manager on, on Xamarin Studio, which is really nice. So you can add release notes, you'll see the file size, you'll see all this and it'll store all your key stores for you automatically. Um, and then we've had a big request. I put it in personally. I bugged Miguel. I bugged Miguel. I bugged Miguel. I said, I don't want to build this. I, I said, I said, I just bugged him. I said, like, why do, why can't we do this? Is you know, you can build. I build a lot of of cross platform libraries, and I always target iOS, Android, and all the Windows platforms. And mm-hmm. I use uh, a service like VSTS or AppVayer, and it's really nice because Visual Studio. You can build a library, not an app, but you can build a library in Visual Studio without a Mac. It, you don't need it. It's yeah. just and it's just IL. So we've added for the first time the ability to build a Xamarin Mac library inside of Visual Studio. What? Which, yeah. So not a full app, but if you're building a cross-platform library, or if you're just maintaining a project that has a Xamarin Mac app, which also, by the way, we've added, there's a fork that Miguel tweeted about of adding Xamarin Mac support to Xamarin Forms. Yes! If you're building these things, yes! it's not going to gray out anymore. It's not going to unload it. They're just going to load in Visual Studio. And you could, if you're building a cross-platform library like JSON.net or any of these plugins that have to do something special for Xamarin Mac, well, now you don't have to jump around to 18 different build machines. You can do it all in Visual Studio on a PC. Okay, that's you, cool. Yeah. So does that mean um, we're going to be able to build full-blown native Mac apps in Xamarin Forms as well someday? UI and everything? 
That's the plan, 100%. Um, uh, Miguel's already demoed it. He did some tweets about it. Uh, uh, he featured it out. And uh, they're they're getting ready. They're packaging it up. I, I don't know when the re- release is coming, but down the road, like, how cool is that, that you'll be able to get, you'll get all of your phones and you'll get all of your desktop, desktop support, whether it's a UWP universal app for your desktop or for uh, a Mac, because I think that that's what we want is we can add more platforms on and who knows what they'll do next. Maybe they'll do TV or watch or whatever. I really wow. want TV. I think that'll be really cool if they can get that going. Wow. Yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the the remote simulator, we came out with a brand new preview. Uh, so the remote simulator, if people don't know, is inside of Visual Studio, you'd hit debug and for iOS and it would open a simulator on your Mac because that's how it works. Right. And that's pretty good if you're in Carl's situation where, you know, you're just in Parallels or VMware or Bootcamp and it just boots up right on top. But what if you're on a dedicated Surface Book or like me or a PC? Yeah. Well, the remote iOS simulator, it just opens the iOS simulator on your PC and it's full fledged uh, and you can open multiples and you can use your touchscreen support and you can do all this great stuff. Yeah. Pinch to zoom on it. And we came out with a new preview that adds support for iOS 10 and Mac OS Sierra. It's a separate download, but it's totally there. It's super you guys great. are out of control. Awesome. I love it well, so much. I remember that demo at build, right? Yeah. When you could actually mm-hmm. test an iOS app with a touchscreen on your development machine. Yep. People went berserk. Yep. Like, because you can't do that on a Mac. Yeah. If you've yeah. got like a Mac Mini, which I know you brought around on the .NET Rocks tour, James, that mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't be able to see it unless you yeah, had. Yeah, you can't see it. Yeah, unless you remote it into the Mac, you know, with a remote desktop. Yeah, or but, you got to switch over. You got to do all this stuff. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. But Mac has no touchscreen support. I mean, they've, they've never added touchscreen support to, to the Macintosh. So right. the fact that you, you came up with this emulator... To uh, to be able to use the touchscreen in Windows to to fool the 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 emulator on the Mac, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, and the, the fact that you can run multiple at the same time, and it's not just phones and tablets. I I, I did a tweet where I was running the TV OS simulator, like a full TV OS simulation, like on my PC, and it has it it has not only touchscreen support, but it also has a little remote like next to it that you can interact with with your finger and, and use around because again it has touchscreen support so if you have a touchscreen multi-gesture support wow. it has touch id it has all that great stuff it's really cool it's really cool very cool man anything yeah. to say about yeah. xamarin test cloud i'm you know i'm looking at your your app your evolve app from github and, mm-hmm. I, and i love the stats about you know how much code reuses so forth but you've got a screenshot of xamarin test cloud that you ran for that app and I mean, it's it's got to be so useful to suddenly see that one's clearly not rendering. Like you, you can you can dig in. Yeah, Test Cloud's pretty amazing. And the nice thing about Test Cloud, uh, if people don't know, it's a way of doing UI automation for any app, whether you built it with Xamarin or you built it in Objective C or Java or Cordova. It doesn't matter. And essentially, you build um, really easy to build C sharp or Ruby scripts to do UI automation. So you say, huh. tap tap this button, enter this text validate this thing and every time you tap or you take a wait for an element or enter text that's validating that the thing actually exists on the page that you can interact with it um and then you can do a search with like n unit you can assert anything you can validate that hey this background color is blue or this this uh, thing actually did get enabled oh wow um yeah so you can do full asserts on it you have access to the control that's actually there which is really cool um and so just yeah, from testing had- irrespective of the device like just doing fundamental tests on the UI of your app, but then you mm-hmm. get into the diversity of devices. 
Yeah, you get into the diversity of devices because the first thing that you can do is you can run back all of those tests for free locally. So if you're running them on simulators or your local device, right. you can set up your own little mini test. We all have devices sitting around. And of course, I just maybe before I commit and push this out to the apps or I'll do a smoke test you know, locally or send it to my testers. But then we have the, the test cloud, which pairs with those testing processes with UI tester Calabash. So you have those tests that you've already run locally and validated. And then we have a device lab of over 2,400 unique iOS and Android devices. Um, and, and you can just send them up there. You can put them in CI, whether you're using like BitRise or VSTS or Jenkins or anything like that. It's just mm. a command line or a step that you add. Yeah. And inside of the Evolve app, like every time it got built, we tested on it on two devices. And every time we committed a master, we did a smoke test on 20 devices. And every week, we did a regression on 60 devices just wow. to make sure that, hey, we're doing these big tests. And we've come out with new plans starting at just 99 bucks a month, um, even cheaper if you bill or bill annually, where you can upload as many apps as you want. You can do a con- concurrent, uh, you know, you get, you get a concurrent device that's doing there. You have some support. Um, and it goes all the way up to just like crazy enterprise stuff, right? But but you can just start doing and testing all of your apps. And I say, listen, even if you just do one thing, which is file new UI test, which sets you up for a UI test that takes a screenshot, like, hey, does my app run? Like, yeah. That you're yeah. now doing better than 50% of the industry because, you know, you've tested it on as many devices as you want. Like your app runs and it's a success, right? And then just yeah. start there. Running yeah. is a feature, actually. Running is a feature. It's, it's got to run. feature number one. Besides shipping, mm-hmm. shipping first, then running second. Yeah. <laughs> and I love going in on the test cloud page. You can see a full list of devices. Every time I go, it's always higher. And right now we're at, at time of this is 2,446 unique devices. And those are mm. devices running all sorts of versions of iOS and Android. Like you take a iPad 2. We have iPads 2 running um, iOS 935, 8.2, 8.13, 8.02, and 712, right? You know, they're mm. scaled deep and wide of all these devices. It's wow. it's crazy. What are you guys yeah. going to do next? How are you going to outdo this? Um, I don't know. It, it's, you know, we're going to keep listening to our developers uh, that are using the platform, uh, make it the best platform to create mobile applications, whether you're doing it for just one platform or for all the platforms going to keep adding more platform support. I think that there's some amazing things happening in the world of, of .NET Core with .NET standard libraries and our open mono runtime. I'm, I envision personally a world that you can run C-sharp everywhere. I was just watching a video from Minecon uh, 2016 where they were talking about the next evolution of add-in mods where they're actually embedding the mono runtime, our runtime in to create C-sharp mods for Minecraft, right? Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Unity's already talked about bringing our mono in so you can create, you know, beautiful, rich, you know, C sharp applications, games with the, the Unity engine. Sure. And then have these .NET standard libraries where you write one piece of C sharp that runs everywhere. It's running in WPF. You're it's running in UWP. It's running on ASP.NET. It's running yeah. on ASP.NET Core. It's running in your Xamarin applications. It's just code that runs great. Like that's the type of stuff I want to see. That's Love the next it. evolution simplify the lives for .NET developers. And I, I really wish there was some sort of simpler way to get your development environment uh, on these two platforms up and running. It really takes a long time if you don't, uh, if you're starting from, oh, I have to upgrade my OS, oh, this, oh, that. There's a lot of system stuff. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to get some app virtualization or something where I could just put a USB stick in my laptop, boot it up, and have everything right there. 
and I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, the latest and greatest of everything. Or or even better, log on to a cloud device where I've got the full Visual Studio environment already set up with the latest bits. You know, that's where I yeah. think that's where I think uh, the future is headed because the less time I have to configure my crap, the better. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think that um, I would love to get there. That's great feedback. I'm, I mean, these are things that I'm actually actively investigating too is I've seen it already with uh, solutions like Mac Stadium and Mac in Cloud where they already pre-configure Macs for you if you're using mm. Xamarin Studio. Right. But definitely the next evolution is like, hey, let me log in to uh, something run in Azure and let me just like go, right? Yep. Let me just run some code. Yeah. And then it saves my session. So this is my machine. It's like my image that gets exactly. booted up whenever I want. That'd be great. Yeah. And especially something that could keep track of updates and just automatically install them. So I'm not, I'm not always constantly worried about that. You know, this sounds like a yeah. task for containers. What if there's a container infrastructure around your dev environment? Exactly. Well, let's start mm. with containers for the desktop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could see it happening. Absolutely. Specifically for managing a dev environment. I mean, normally we think about containers as in dev environment need to reflect, uh, you know, QA reflect production. But mm. just the idea that because because of the nature of deployment onto mobile, this compilation distribution thing changes that iteration anyway. It, it's a different, you're not going to put containers to the phone, but you can use containers as a sort of configuration as code controller yeah. for the problem of all these moving parts. You know, we haven't even really talked about the third-party control suites. Right. You get an OS update for the on the phones, which changes all your emulators. You need to update the tooling, update the de- the the Xamarin tooling, update the dev tooling, and then update your third-party tools. Yeah, no, it can take it can take a lot of time. Yeah. So removing that friction is where I hope. I mean, can you imagine how productive people could be without that friction? How many people quit because they're just like ah. Well, this, this, is too, this is too much. This is what Miguel was talking about a bill too. It's like, how do I cut down the cycle time? Yeah. Between write a line of code, see it run on a phone. Yep. Yep. Very good. Well, I hope yeah. we get there someday. But in the meantime, we got some seriously awesome tools here, and uh, it's just great that it keeps evolving and keeps getting better. James, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a